There's this Fincher quote that has absolutely haunted me as I've inched closer and closer to directing my first film. The quote is this, the fact is you don't know what directing is until the sun is setting and you've got to get five shots and you're only going to get two. Now, <laughs> that has been absolutely true as I've directed more and more commercials, shorts, and performance videos. There's almost always a moment in which the entire fate of the project hangs in the balance and how you make decisions in those moments is the real job. So as someone who hasn't yet directed a feature, it's easy to idealize making a movie, but it's anything but ideal. It's blood and sweat and tears and bone and marrow. It's real, not some pie in the sky fantasy. So as I get closer to making my own film, I've found myself wanting to ask so many questions of my friends and directing peers who have managed to run the gauntlet of making their own features. To be honest, they all come back to some version of a core question, which is this. What is the actual reality of directing a movie? How does it feel? What does it look like? So that's what this podcast is about. Notes on directing emerging out of conversations between two directors. Not the film school ideals, not the glorified hindsight, but directing. When you're truly in it. When you're asking yourself why the hell you ever had the audacity to think that you could do this. Welcome to the Process Dispatch. Now, I know I hinted at it, but I recorded the bulk of these interviews several years ago. They, of course, were in the middle of the pandemic when people had some time. I think people were in a particularly reflective mode. And a lot of people weren't really working on their long-form projects. The Daniels, you know, very luckily had just wrapped production, so they were an editorial. But everybody else kind of was had hit the brakes on, on their kind of current slate of projects when I had these conversations. And I do think it ended up being a really interesting kind of time capsule, a, a way to look back, a way to kind of capture a particular feeling and moment and perspective on these directors' kind of careers and work thus far. However, I absolutely intended on releasing these episodes nearly on top of recording them. I had no plans of recording them and then putting them on the shelf for a couple of years. And to be honest with you, I got a little bit stuck. I kept thinking I was on the precipice of making stages. And as well, I got extremely busy with commercials in an unexpected way. I was busier during the pandemic than I had been in the previous several years. And that caught me off guard. And so I think that and then I think just the combination of a lot of factors, I got really stuck and felt like I didn't know what the point of putting these conversations out might be. Even while at the same time, I feel like I intrinsically knew they were valuable and was excited to see kind of all the progress that these directors had made. And to like imagine many of the conversations that I would love to have with more directors talking about these things. So yeah, I got stuck uh, until basically the beginning of 2022. I brought on my friend Jake McMullen, who is an amazing musician and creative director who really helped get me unstuck. Started writing some scores, started helping edit the episodes, and then we started just moving forward. Anna Ramos uh, came on to help do some of the logistical things, to help produce the podcast and make sure that we actually got these things off the hard drive and, and out into the world. 
And even still, I still felt stuck. It felt hard to make these intros, to do the little pieces, to put the pieces together, to go ahead and put this thing out. And I've been thinking a lot about that. You know, in fact, I recorded a whole series of intros that were completely scripted and we cut them against the episodes and it just didn't, it just didn't feel right. It felt too rigid, too kind of constructed. And so I basically went back in and and re-recorded the intros in a more conversational way, just like I'm doing now, just speaking straight into the microphone with not a lot of plan. And that felt more appropriate. But before I could even get to that point, I just realized that I probably needed to get somebody on Zoom so that I could talk to them about the podcast, why I hadn't made it, and have a conversation. And hopefully, out of that conversation, we could extract elements for an intro, for, you know, trailer for the podcast, for all of these things. And so I just put on Instagram that I needed somebody to jump on Zoom with me. And thankfully, two friends uh, responded nearly immediately a really amazing photographer and all-around creative person, Meredith Adelaide, and uh, my buddy Raul Serpas replied and said, yeah, we'll, we'll jump on. And so what was supposed to be a way to re-record the intros actually kind of evolved into this very introspective, nearly hour-long conversation about why I wanted to make this podcast why the gap between recording and releasing exists and what I'm hoping to accomplish next. It ended up being something that I couldn't use for the intros. I ended up having to re-record those anyway. But I do think this conversation was meaningful and I hope, I want to put this conversation out because I feel like it captured in a pretty clear way how I talked myself out of releasing. That I had a great idea, a great impulse, and then talked myself out of it. And I don't know if you can relate to that, but this is something that I struggle with constantly. A lot of times the excitement of making the thing happens and then the air kind of goes out of the sails when you get into post and you're just like, it's not quite what I thought it was going to be. And you have to fight through that. You have to fight through it and and still put it out. Or you have to fight through it and then put it on the shelf permanently. But this kind of like abandoning things for me is a really, it's something that I have to fight quite a bit. So I wanted to put this full conversation out that I had with Meredith and Raul as this conversation was the, the jump start to getting the kind of final push to release these episodes. So I'm putting this out. This is the kind of punctuation point on this particular series of conversations for the Process Dispatch. I have big plans for what V2 is going to look like, including bringing on a co-host and having conversations with directors that have made many of my favorite movies. But in the meantime, I wanted to put these out and and I just wanted to, to kind of be transparent and share what I'm calling this ramble fest between Meredith, Raul, and myself. And hopefully there's something in there that, that resonates with you, that you realize you're not the only one who goes through these kind of moments of doubting the thing that you've made. Yeah, this is my encouragement to you to uh, just put it out, man. Just, uh, just finish it, just release it into the world. You never know what might happen. So thank you for listening to these episodes this season. It means a ton. Uh, so with that, here is my Ramble Fest finale for the Process Dispatch. It's present moment. Yeah. Ryan Booth, how are, how are you? 
You're I, you're holding your arms against your chest. I feel, well, I mean, I feel a little embarrassed. I think just in general, mm-hmm. um, I feel like I'm like for me personally, what I'm going through at the moment is this feeling of um, I'm actively like uh, working with a therapist and kind of going through the like working with basically like a psychiatrist to uh it's important to me to get like officially get diagnosed with adhd um that's like very important to me because i feel like um like i'm off the charts i know i am and i feel like um like when i'm in this like a very kind of strange liminal space work-wise right now where i'm kind of i feel a bit mid-career i feel a bit um, like these conversations feel like, uh, uh, I feel a bit like these are all my friends. Um, yeah. these were just conversations with friends and all of them now they've won Sundance. They're directing yeah. Marvel movies. They're yeah. doing all these things. I feel a little bit like a fuck up who hasn't yeah. like, if I had had my shit together, I, I would be like I that see. as well. Right. Are right. you recording right now, by the way? I am now. I am. Yeah. Okay. Good. You yeah. should. Uh, this this stuff is really um, necessary <laughs> to yeah, hear. Yeah. So I feel like um, I feel like part of my resistance to putting these conversations out is I feel a little bit like um, like my goal was to have conversations with like the directors who have really really inspired me that I don't feel any sense of peer or com- like that I don't feel like our peers. Like mm-hmm. an Alfonso Cuaron, right? Like mm-hmm. made a move, like made more than one movie that I feel like, oh my God, if I could make one movie like that in my career, I'd be fine. And yeah. I feel like these conversations were like the ones I can just text somebody and be like, hey, do you want to jump on and like have a stupid call at eleven o'clock at night and we'll mm-hmm. talk for a couple hours? Yeah. And now, beautiful. but now they're like, it's like uh, yeah. that that little conversation is like also now the little conversation with the director of right x y or z right mm-hmm. um and so i think it's been interesting as well to like follow up like the daniels for instance i had a long chat with um daniel kwan who um told me you know because I, I i met up with him at a i went to the one of the new york screenings of the movie before it came out and was just like absolutely floored and I DP'd a project for them and and the feeling of DPing for them was like who are you people and how do you know how to do this like I just mm-hmm. was like shocked at at, yeah. at what it was like to to DP for them um and it was interesting I was just like dude you've got to be so excited because their first movie just landed like a rock you know just like everybody was like what the fuck is this like (laughs) horseshit you know Um, and their second one everybody's like who are these geniuses right and so it's just interesting that they I was talking to him and he just he was like you know what's what's funny is I thought I would feel better but Mm -hmm. now I'm afraid that like I just made the best thing I'll ever make and I'll never make something this good again like that was it you know, um, and that was, you know, (laughs) heartening and sad at the same time to hear him say, you know, just feeling like, um, 
it doesn't matter, man. Like this shit just chases you forever. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it doesn't matter if you're successful. If you're successful, like there's still this thing coming after you. And if you're not successful, then it's then that's the thing coming after you too. You know? Yeah. And so I feel like having to be okay, like learning to be okay in the present moment with who you are, with what yeah. you do, um, I feel like is the is the is the work. You know what I mean? And um, what I'm hearing is you're you're seeking for an outside opinion to help you feel okay with yourself. Yo, if a hundred percent, like to determine that okay, there is something, and and now I know what it is, so now I can mm, manage that and deal with that. For sure. Yeah. For sure. That's a that's a hard um, place to be in, especially when you're struggling with something like ADHD. When the there's so many different channels that you want to operate in that you need to operate in right where even a sentence can't just like be a sentence it has to be a sentence plus yeah yeah all these branches which you know a lot of people can hold space for and can hear you right and can understand right and it might be different from growing up where people could not right and you may have gotten in, in massive trouble for not being able to and nobody understood but i feel like um you're you're perfectly doing what you need to be doing and around the people who are doing the things that you admire and that you wish to do as well. Yeah. And it's hard not to compare, I'm sure, especially when every single one of those people has done something Yeah. since you spoke to them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, like, um, I say all the time, like that having kids is, for instance, is this like, it's actually a tangible, like, it's like having a, ever-present reminder of the passage of time um, mm -hmm. in a way that, like, I, that nothing else feels like, you know? It's mm -hmm. like, what's two years? Like, a couple years, like, no big deal. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, like, two years, the difference between two year in two years from where my kids are from where they were two years ago, mm -hmm. I mean, they're literally just Completely huge, you know? Yeah. Like, they're yeah. much bigger. Like, there's just, they're different people. Um, and yeah. I feel a little bit like these conversations are these like time stamped reminders that like of, of the passage of time and not just the passage of time, but like how long the things that I want to engage in actually take, you know, yeah. like that you can't just go like you could say, I want to go make a movie tomorrow. Yeah. And it's not actually possible. Um, yeah. and not just not possible, even if you could, then the cycle of that thing that you want to make is multi multiple years, you know? Yeah. And I think that, that, um, these conversations, that's definitely hang up for me on these conversations as well Is just this feeling of like, oh my God, like I was with the Daniels shooting a project in 2017 and they mm -hmm. were talking about, we came to shoot this short film that's part of this kind of anthology feature that I did with them. They're like, we came to do this because we kind of hit a wall on writing our script, which mm -hmm. is the movie that they then went and made. Mm -hmm. um, and it feels a bit like it's 2022, it's almost 2023. And they were like writing, they had already like had the meetings, gotten the funding, were working on the movie in 2017. You know, and it's just mm. like Jesus, yeah, Christ, it's gonna yeah. the grace, <laughs> the just, grace you must have. For oh my yourself. god, dude, it's like it's just, it's just, yeah, 
Yeah, and and uh, so so anyway, yeah. I mean, I think, and this is this is not just the podcast; it's just in my life in general. I feel I feel like um, I'm incredibly impatient. I'm also um, I get shit done faster than most people, and I still yeah. feel like it takes forever. Yeah, hundred percent. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah. And not just that, but that I'm like uh, that I'm like fucking off and not getting anything done. That I'm like whittling my time away as well. Mm. That's like a constant like feeling in my head um yeah so anyway and your fear of mediocrity if i recall correctly my ultimate fear that's literally my fear. ultimate fear yeah. is like that i would be completely and totally mediocre <laughs> what if you let yourself be i mean i probably am that's the th- you know what but i mean like, like just 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 admitting to yourself like all right i'm yeah. a mediocre guy <laughs> and then quickly you will realize you are not yeah, yeah but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just admitting that that is an element of you. Like, yeah, I'm a mediocre kind of girl. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> nothing special going on here. I know, I know. Well, but yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like that's the, but that's the, 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 like the, the thing, right? Is like, if I can yeah. make something special, I think what it comes down to is like, if I can make something special, then maybe I won't, that will like outlive me. Then when I die, it won't yeah. matter. Right. Right. So this immortality yes, concept, the fear of death, the of fear of being forgotten, yes. the realization that you do feel and are being mirrored as mediocre by all of these people. Correct. It's a wonderful sauce. Yeah. To be in. <laughs> what a gift. Simmer, you simmer, simmer. Yourself. Yes. And you've created this space. Yeah. And there's so many gifts within this for you. Too, yeah. And I hope that also you you give yourself a lot of grace and uh, support because you've you've created spaces for people to talk about their process. And I'm certain that just being heard mm-hmm. as those directors helped them achieve what they needed to achieve in the last few years since yeah. being on your, your podcast. To be honest with podcast. you, Nikki told me she said um because i had this conversation with her when she'd only made a short she had not Mm -hmm. and she's a black female and like dude nikki i mean she's like she intimidates the hell out of me she's incredible she's a like a an incredibly powerful person Mm -hmm. and she told me which i like is to this day one of the highest like forms of compliment that i've gotten is that she was like everyone always wants to talk about me being like a black female Mm -hmm. director. She Mm -hmm. was like, you just wanted to talk about my directing process. Mm -hmm. And like, it was amazing to be, and of course that's part of it, right? There's like, there is that part of me that I bring with me as a director, but like, I also just work with actors and make decisions about where to place the camera and all of these things that don't, that aren't defined my, by my identity. That's not the central point of conversation we need to have all the time, right. you know? Right. Um, and I felt like that was, that actually really made me happy because I feel like, of course I want, but I want to know, like, I want to know what directing means from like a core spiritual place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And of course who you are is part of that. But like, I am interested in the thing about directing that has made me so not just directing, but filmmaking in, in, in specific that is making me, I think that is convinced me that is the thing I want to spend my time on is that it requires your entire person to do it well, you know? 
Um, and that I think I'm in kind of eternally curious about other people's process because no two people are going to approach it the same way because nobody's the same person. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that, you know, as a DP, I got to be on so many people's sets. I was on mm -hmm. so many people's sets and I'm not on anybody's sets anymore. I'm on, only on my own set. Um, and that feels like, uh, a real kind of like limitation in some ways. Yeah. Not not because there's anything wrong with that, but just because I loved getting to see other people work, you know? And so I feel like this podcast for me is a proxy to that kind of yeah. experience of like, let me take me onto your set um, for two hours while we talk, you know? Yeah. Um, because I would love to know how you work and what you see and how you approach these things because I am myself and I'm only on my own sets these days, you know? Mm -hmm. um, anyway, yeah. I've, I've found a lot of um, similarities in people who have, uh, you know, a neurodivergent mind mm. in that uh, love to investigate the other. Yes. More so than giving themselves the space and the acceptance to mm -hmm, mm -hmm. find what works best for them yep. and truly, truly commit and truly sh cut out all other inputs, mm. which is difficult too, because the dopamine that is needed to right. keep the interest. Right. And I wonder, you also are on your own sets. You're doing a lot of different things for sure in, in the same realm too. But I wonder if DPing gave you kind of a freedom of creation mm -hmm. and like the, the energy moving so you could create because you, you finished the, the, the rough force, uh, what, what was it called? Uh, the first short film that you made. The Heights. Um, the Heights. Yeah. You made that as you were a DP or were you transitioning from I was DP? transitioning, yeah. So I did, that was the... I made The Heights and Five Star, which is a short doc. I made those two simultaneously um, as a, like, kind of intentional moment of transition, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I forget if I had a follow-up question. But <laughs> but the differences of your, your career path and your access to finishing and, mm. and committing to your story, your voice, yeah, is, is something that I, I think about a lot, too. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely like, yeah, I, it's, it's interesting. I have had the thought, I knew it was the right thing to move into directing, I think because of how, um, like, uh, like a DPing in, in a way like could stay quite contained. Like, of course I had to like commit to the work and really, you know, bring myself to the projects and mm -hmm. like all of those things. But at the same time, I felt like I was also able to just like skate in at the end after it mm -hmm. had already been established and put together, yeah. throw some images on images on screen, be the hero, high five yeah. everybody and like, <laughs> and slip out the back door. Right. Yeah. Knowing yeah. then that like, <laughs> Like they're gonna get in the edit and like everything's gonna fall apart and then they're gonna have to put it back together. Yeah. And it's it was kind of uh it felt like 
it almost felt cheap to me to like j- to just be the person who kind of came in at that one exact moment to just sure. make it look great. Um, sure. Even though like what I've been going through, even on this last commercial, this commercial I just did, we got shut down by the wildfire in, in um, Northern California, like near Tahoe. Mm-hmm. And we shot, we shot one and a half days. Um, and then the second day, the sec- in the afternoon, we got sh- like, literally the wind changed, the smoke came over our location and it just like, mm-hmm. it canceled us. Um, mm-hmm. And I've come back from that project and it was a hard, I mean, it was, even on an ad, it was a heart heartbreaking just because, um, you know, we we had made a great plan and everybody had kind of anticipated and and done as much as they could, and then we just like, you know, it just it just happened, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so, and then we get into the edit, and like it's been a real struggle to try and figure it out because it turns out that that half day that we didn't get was really like three quarters of the stuff we needed in the edit mm-hmm. couldn't have known that beforehand but sure. now that we're in the edit that's the that's the case and so um but the dp's already shot two projects since then like he literally went straight to another wow. job and then another one after that mm-hmm. um and he sends a text like hey how's the edit coming and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> how's the edit coming dude like like 90 percent of the work of this job has been trying to figure out how to get through this kind of gauntlet and i feel like this is a better i knew that that like that as difficult as that was it was important to kind of like complete the thoughts that Mm -hmm. i felt like as a dp i could just like skim the surface forever you know Mm -hmm. and yeah i can get into it with a director and it'll be really tough but production is like it's kind of this weird magical unreal like surface um not surface like it's not surface it can get quite deep but i I felt like production was this like um it was like the the honeymoon of the project always Mm -hmm. but not the real work you know Mm -hmm. and so i felt like as a human being engaging in film if i did not direct then i would not experience the kind of depth of the art form I could just kind of go, yeah, yeah, make it dark. looks great, you know? Um, And so, but it turns out I asked for it and I'm getting the things I asked for. (laughs) Had you already made the transition fully when you recorded these conversations? Yeah, yeah. So I had been, I I recorded the bulk of them in 2020. Um, The, the, so the, the, the loose premise was um, I heard an interview with Greta Gerwig when she was about to make Lady Bird, her first mm-hmm. movie. She called all these directors that she had worked with as an actor and just said, can you tell me, like, can you give me some advice? I'm about to direct my first feature. Can you give me some advice? And I heard this on a, it was a DGA podcast with Spike Jones. Spike Jones was, um, moderating and she was like yeah so i called like noah bomback and you know martin scorsese and blah 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 just rattled off like these amazing directors um and spike jones like interrupted her was like whoa, whoa, whoa like are you kidding me you got to talk to these guys about directing like their their advice on directing 
And he goes, did you record them? Like, did you like make any notes? Did you? And she was like, no, I just like, it was just for me, you know? And he was basically like, damn it. Like, damn it. Like, why didn't you not? And so that, that, like that kind of impulse was the impetus for this podcast, which is I'd love to talk to directors about making their first feature um, because I'm about to make mine, right? Um, only I haven't yet made my first feature. And most of these conversations ended up with friends of mine who were making their second and some making their third. And so, um, but I think that was the kind of frame for the conversation was, you know, tell me about making your your first feature, though it kind of evolved into, um, let's just talk about directing. I'd love to hear, like, pretend like I don't know anything. <laughs> you know, uh, what is what is your process? Um, from kind of how do you know when an idea is worth pursuing all the way to, like, how many takes do you do with, you know, an actor that that hasn't quite found it yet? you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so super granular, um, but also like quite esoteric, especially depending on the director. Bassam yeah. almost never wants to talk about specifics, not because specifics aren't important, but because he doesn't think about specifics. He's only thinking about kind of, um, very, very kind of core emotional. Why am I doing this thing? Which is yeah. literally why am I putting the camera in this position? Why am I asking for another take? Whereas yeah. some directors, you know, the, the twin guys are much more kind of like this shot means this, we need three takes of this. And then I need to put the camera here and they're kind of editing as they go, you know, um, both completely valid ways of going about mm -hmm. things. Um, but it was interesting. I kind of let the conversations go where the director wanted to take them, you know, mm -hmm. Did you find out a lot about the way you direct through this? Like, what did you learn about the way you approach directing and how you process and how you react? Yeah, set? I mean, I, th I think the thing, that's, the thing that is super helpful about conversations like this is that however you direct is how you direct. Like, that's mm -hmm. your way of doing it. There is no wrong way to do it. And not just that, but, like, the way that you do it is the way that you will always do it most likely. You can get a little better about this or that or the other, but for the most part, like wherever you go, there you are. You know what I mean? And so I think that if you're kind of intuitive and present, um, you've, you likely are already doing the things that you can, um, you're already doing the things that define you as a director, that define your kind of storytelling approach. The only thing you can do is just get better at those things. But I don't know if um, I feel like I walked away like very encouraged that um, there's not a there's not a secret and there's not a right way to do anything. There's only your way and your kind of commitment to creating a space for everybody to contribute to yeah. the thing that you're trying to make. Um, some people do that by being extremely prescriptive, like move from here to here. They like, they create the box and then let everybody bounce around in that box. Um, some people like essentially create, they, they get everybody there and then they engineer a scenario and then they capture it in a documentary fashion. 
they just let people behave and then they just capture it as if they happen to be walking by with a camera. Um, some people are like very, very specific about um, beats and kind of action and all of those things, which I, I find to be like very encouraging. You know, I can do whatever the fuck I want, basically, yeah. um, which I think there is a there is a sense when you're starting out that like everybody else has already figured it out. Um, and I just need to like there is this mysterious information or a holy grail of some kind that if I can find the tablets, then I will learn how to do the thing properly. Um, and even just speaking with these six people like there is no like they some of the things that the daniels do like twin wouldn't caught be caught dead doing and nikiatu would do some stuff that like ricky would it would have never crossed his mind you know and yet they each kind of told a story that feels like only they could have told it you know um that's the secret i think is that you have to become yourself um, in some capacity and then encourage a, an environment for everyone else to be themselves as well. And then you kind of are curating that moment, um, conducting that moment, you know, in some way, which is super interesting. Um, the Daniels were like amazing. A lot of the, I realized too, that many of these conversations were with directors that either had like Bassam, I met Bassam because he wanted me to DP something for him. I met Twin because they wanted me to DP something for him. Um, and then the rest of them, Ricky, I did DP something for them. The Daniels, I had DP'd something for them. So I had this kind of like experience with them in which they had all engaged with me as a DP. Nikki Atu thought I was a DP. She didn't know I was a director. So like a lot of these initial interviews, like the DPing side was the, the intersection. Like that that was kind of the, the intersection of our relationship. And so a lot of them, I feel like, saw me as a DP at least at one point in our relationship, which I think provided an interesting... Um, I'm just realizing that now that all all six of them um, I engaged with as a DP or they, or they thought I was a DP. Um, and it allowed me, I think, to, to kind of experience their directing style differently than if I was just a director and we were just peers. Like I worked for all of them in some capacity. And so um, I think I took a lot from that from them as well. Like the Daniels, for instance, um, uh, Daniel Scheinert uh, always says the two of them would kind of like have these kind of conversations in front of everyone. Like, I think we should do this. Okay, why should we do this? Um, and then they'd say, well, I think we should put the camera here and then we can go from this shot to that shot and this goes to there. And they'd be like, okay, but in the arc of the whatever, okay, great, but, 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 and they have these incredibly like cerebral conversations in front of everyone. Mm -hmm. And then someone might go, I, including myself, I'd be like, well, I feel like maybe if we do this shot, um, that kind of gets at what you guys are trying to accomplish. And literally they would turn to me and Daniel Scheinert would go, Okay, okay, that's interesting. Like pitch me. Pitch me why that's the 
like, why is that the good idea? You know? And then I would pitch them like, okay, well, cause you could go from here to here to here. And then that happens. And this character goes here. And that other scene we shot, that person does this and they'd be like, that's great. Okay. Moving on. We're going to do that next, you know? And they just created this environment that was like incredibly open and like pitch me is literally the thing I heard them say like a million times. Um, yeah was just like, tell me why the thing you want to do is the thing that we should do. And they were incredibly like, uh, they were super fast. They're very smart, um, very, very fast. Like they would finish, I would kind of go, well, so what I was thinking was if we could go blah, 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 and be like, okay, got it. If you go here, then there, then there, great, perfect. All right, I love it. I hadn't seen it that way, let's do it. And mm. it was really, it's, now when I watch the movie, when I watch everything everywhere all at once, I'm like, dude, I just see that shit all over it. You know, just like everybody kind of operating at that like pitch me level, which I mm -hmm. think is like amazing. And literally only they could have done it. Like only they could have done it. Uh, kind of created this group of people that like were able to um, improvise at such a structured level, you know? Mm -hmm. which is super that's a, fascinating yeah, that's a really fun and safe space to operate in and it's like best idea is gonna win so just put it out and totally and they they like they will not just it's not just best idea wins they integrate that idea and then it it has they metabolize it and it becomes part of like they're making decisions based on that idea in an accumulation of events right so like two weeks later while they're shooting some scene because of the thing that, that was altered a, mm. a while ago, it's now like worked its way through the entire like dough of the story, you know, which is like super fascinating because it's different than like, uh, put the camera here or tweak the light or make a stylistic or aesthetic change. It's literally like make a fundamental change that like has a cascading effect on the story itself, which is really amazing. Like really amazing to see that level of, um, not just openness, but like confidence in their kind of story, you know, that it can sustain the injection of ingredients coming from other places, you know, um, which is super cool. Um, they I must mean, ultimately really, truly know themselves so deeply in and out for each other, of each other as well. For sure. Yeah. And I wonder if that, that having that anchor of somebody else is just a huge, huge benefit. It must be. It That's must something be. I feel like I seek. I feel like a lot of us seek that to someone else who's just there for us, mm. with us, yeah. holding, holding us down so we can hold them down and then we can just play and be free. For sure. I mean, it tr truly amazing to see them work. Um, and, and they've both made projects like separate of each other, like since, um, and in different ways. Like, in fact, Daniel Shiner made a movie called The Death of Dick Long, which is like, um, he made it with A24, like in between, like they'd already written everything everywhere, but they, they kind of hit this moment of going like they were too close to it. And he ran off and like made this movie just to kind of like as almost as a palate cleanser. 
um, almost as a just want to make sure that this didn't happen because we just both happened to go to the same college and we both kind of like stumbled into this partnership and we made a movie and like we made some really famous music videos and like I don't know and they ran off he ran off and did his own thing and they both came back and were like no this is like this is special there's something here that feels incredibly unique that we could not have created on our own um and they dove right back into the movie and and ended up making everything everywhere like right after kind of he finished his solo feature which was super fascinating because while he was making the solo feature daniel kwan threw the script out and rewrote a big chunk of it um refocused it included a bunch of his own kind of personal story um you know, growing up as a as a first gen kid um, in New York City, and so uh, yeah, it was like mission critical to them, kind of hitting the next evolution of their relationship, which is super fascinating. Does uh, it help you trust yourself a bit more? Is there anything, any direction that you need to go for your interview? By the way, no, 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 no. I'm 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 just riffing a little bit. I think. Um, no, it does. I think it helps me. I mean, I think, I think too, the thing that was most fascinating about working with the Daniels, we, you know, we lived in this house together for two and a half weeks while they were making this short, which was like <laughs> the craziest, like the craziest shit I've ever seen. And, and I'm incredibly thankful for, for the opportunity because, um, you know, they've only worked with one DP, like, uh, Larkin Siepel who shot their feature and Larkin was literally on a huge movie, um, at the time when they were going to make this little short that was part of this anthology feature. And Daniel Kwan reached out and was like, hey, I think you'd be great for this thing. There's basically no money. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, and so <laughs> I went out and shot it. And, like, and then that was it. They've never worked with another DP. Like Larkin was available after that. And then he did everything everywhere. And it was just this like, yeah, it was this kind of like momentary blip. Um, and it was really cool because we'd shoot, we shot for two and a half weeks. Um, we lived in Miami in a, in a giant house, uh, and we would shoot all day and then come back at night and they would just show me like random clips on the internet. And it was like seeing a corner of the internet I did not know existed. All of their references. I never heard of any of the references. I'd never seen any of the videos. Like it was this like really amazing um reminder that like our kind of filmmaking taste is this bizarre accumulation of like things that we've seen and like things that we're interested in and that we're not actually all looking at the same shit like um everybody's kind of like pulling from all these different places it, that that was actually super encouraging um just because i literally was like i have no idea i've never seen any of this before I have no clue <laughs> where you found this like crazy shit um, on the internet. And it was like, it was pretty cool actually. Um, that was super encouraging for sure. Um, and then Bassam, I think Bassam, you know, my interview with Bassam, like Bassam is a very, very good friend of mine now. Um, he reminds me a lot of Elliot Rausch, who was one of my kind of closest director collaborators. Um, he's a profoundly spiritual person, um, and that's how he approaches filmmaking. Um, and, you know, every conversation I've ever had with him 
every kind of like, I ran into him three times during the process of him making his first feature. I was in London, he shot it in London and I happened to be in London three different times on projects and Pulse actually produced the film. Um, and so I was like in the office prepping some stupid commercial and he would like just walk through the room headed to like a conference room or something where they were like having a, meet, a meeting or something. And he would just like see me and burst into tears. Just like I needed someone, you know, like I just needed somebody who like yeah. understood me and then this is so hard and you know, whatever. And so we'd like go get lunch or coffee or, or whatever. And, and, uh, kind of talk about, I saw him in prep. I saw him in production. I saw him in post. Um, he was in London for 18 months. And so I, I saw him like every six months basically during that process, which was amazing. And um, when I recorded this conversation, he had not yet, he did not know that he was doing Marvel. Um, and so um, we had a, we met up one time, he lived down the street from me for a while. And we met up one time we were walking around and he was like, would you ever direct a Marvel movie? And I was like, I would love to make a piece of work that connects to a mass audience. I think there's something interesting about that, um, about like being a part of a project that, that um, you know from the jump, literally millions, tens upon millions of people are gonna see. Um, I think that's interesting to be a part of that kind of conversation, but no, I don't think I would. Uh, and he was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I would either. Um, and then like two weeks later he was like, yeah, I'm doing a Marvel movie. <laughs> uh, he was clearly like wrestling with that question, uh, which is super interesting. But I had recorded this conversation before that. And in some ways, I think it's an interesting conversation because um, it's before he knows that he's going to do it. Um, and And it's really like a very pure kind of expression of what he wants to accomplish, what what the purpose of filmmaking is for him. Um, he's a very kind of devout Muslim guy. Um, and so kind of faith and spirit, spirituality play a very, very real and specific role in kind of how he approaches his filmmaking. Um, and I, I just found it to be like a very fascinating conversation in the sense that um, all of that was like very much embedded in what we were talking about from casting all the way down to like how he rolls his takes, you know. Um, I'll be interested to see like what he's able to kind of inject into that process for sure. But, um, yeah, anyway. I was just thinking about how individual directing is yeah, and how you've also created a space where directors can come and speak to you and connect to you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the emotional toll it takes, not just on you, but on families. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, it is such an isolating, or it seems to be such an isolating experience. And even you just having these conversations, Brian, with, with these people, I'm sure is a, is a, a necessary and, and very generous gift you've given them to feel like they're a part of a community, a part of yeah. a, a place, a, a group, a, yeah. a name. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. I definitely feel like um, directing feels very much like a, 
a solitary endeavor from for the most part um and you know I mean, I say a lot that feels like directors are sharks in, in a couple of ways that number one, they can never stop moving. Um, and that they basically live the majority of their lives alone, um, or engaged with people who like stand to benefit from their, like stand to, to like give them something. Right. So like a DP, a producer, uh, you know, who their, their collaborators, like definitely like, I feel like there's a lot of extraction that happens with with directors. Um, not that there isn't with other, you know, pro- professions or creatives um, for sure, but I feel like, um, yeah, it can be quite lonely as a director. Um, and I feel like the gift is really like being a director who is willing to speak plainly to another director um, in a way that, that feels like, um, camaraderie instead of competition, you know? Um, because I, I do feel like that's a huge gift to give each other is like, I'm happy for you. I'm sad for you. I'm like, I'm in it with you and I'm not like going, oh, wow. I'm really glad to hear that that was a horrible experience because I wish I was directing a Marvel movie. You know what I mean? Like, um, to just go like, dude, that sounds bananas. Um, and not just that, but like, of course that would be so complex and overwhelming, but like, you know, you're an amazing person, friend, director, all of these things, you know, to be able to say that I feel like is, um, that's my hope with this podcast is that people listen to these interviews and like uh, recognize the kind of depth of conversation they hopefully are already having with their peer group um, and that they like can, and if they're not, that they can be honest with their kind of their friends um, basically and their peers and the people who do what they are or want to be doing, you know? Yeah. Is that what you hope people get out of these? Yeah, I mean, I think I think my hope my hope for people in listening to this is that they realize they are already like they're already doing it, whatever it is that they want to be doing. Um, how they're kind of engaging with people, how they're working on the smaller budget things or the things that aren't the, um, you know, it, it's easy to kind of keep this like um mythological like uh over there like once i get here i'll be able to like then i'll be doing the thing that i'm meant to be doing or whatever and i think that like i hope these conversations are a reminder that like whatever it is you want to be doing you're already doing um it's like how you do the little things is how you're going to do the big things you know what i mean and so you can already decide to and influence your process now um even if it's like a less influential or a less um prestigious or sexy version of the thing that you hope you you do in the future it doesn't really matter like how you do 
what you do now is how you're going to do the thing <laughs> down the road. You know what I mean? Um, totally. And that there's nothing, there is no secret. I mean, that's the, that's the other thing. There is no secret, you know? Um, all you can do is engage thoughtfully, honestly, truthfully with a group of people who you can be honest with, thoughtful with, truthful with. Um, that's about it. I don't think there's much else to control, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, what, um, it interests me that, I mean, since I've known you, I feel like you've always had this, um, willingness to give to people that mm -hmm. are through your, through your network, through your social media, kind of to really open the curtain. Yeah. I'm not a director, but I'm fascinated by hearing these things because they, they're uh, ultimately they're like life principles, mm. but thinking about just the podcast in, in specific, it just, you know, I just, I, I get excited because I feel like that's something that you've been cultivating for so long mm. and are people are, are kind of like, I would, I would, I would associate Ryan Booth with a person that also really cares about people and about like, others and what others are doing you know and it's i think that's that's important because mm -hmm. i mean it's been what two years you said so you could just put it on a shelf and i, I had these conversations with you <laughs> i've moved on yeah, yeah, yeah. you're still kind of like well i want people to hear them you yeah. know it's yeah, yeah yeah for sure well and and too i feel like um i like there's oftentimes this gap between me doing a thing and me putting the thing out, and that gap is typically me overthinking it. Like I was right to record them for sure. <laughs> like I, I was, I would. The impulse was absolutely correct and true, and I picked all the right people. Not because I'm like some amazing whatever, but because like the conversation I was already having with these people were like very life giving and energizing, right? So like, yeah, press record, boop, like. I'm already having these conversations and I feel like that's, and of course, like I'm excited that they've all, that all these things have happened for them because I'm not surprised in the slightest because that's what I felt when I would have these conversations with them. And so, but it's the, it's the, the space between doing that, that initial kind of impulse and then the, the, the putting it out part that I feel like is my kind of eternal struggle like the number of things I have on hard drives of like little films that I've started or things that I've worked on or like, you know, whatever, like I have snippets of things. Um, I mean, for fuck's sake, I have like uh, six terabytes of footage of me and Yo-Yo Ma like cruising around America that like haven't talked about, haven't put out, haven't showed to anybody, haven't done, you know, and these are some of the most meaningful moments I've had with a camera in my entire career. And I'm just like, I don't know, like, I don't know what to do with it, you know, not because it wasn't a meaningful moment, but because I'm just like, I literally like, for some reason, I get stuck releasing, releasing. And so I think for me, like this putting these podcasts out, even though they're old now, they're not old because I feel like these are conversations that like I was right to record. 
the impulse was correct and I feel like I got something from them and I would love for other people to get something from them as well, irrespective of like the timeline and like the, 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 the release strategy and all that bullshit. I don't care about that. You know, right. I just like, they were meaningful and nourishing to me. So, and it wasn't a private conversation that I wasn't like everyone involved knew I was recording them. You know what I mean? Like that, that too, like the, the, my guests had my consent to record them. Yeah. They knew what we were recording. This wasn't a private conversation, you know? And so I feel like what they had to say was intended for other people as well. Um, and so I would, I just want to honor their kind of, um, time and energy by putting them out, you know, um, even mm -hmm. if it's two years <laughs> after I had most of those conversations. So, I mean, Nikki Atu, I never met her in my life and she came, I got the pulse, you know, pulse is owned partially by vice. And so I literally like booked a recording booth at the vice office in Williamsburg and Nikki Atu came in person in 2019 and we oh, sat wow. I'd never met her before in my life. And we like sat across from each other and had this like two hour conversation. And it's crazy because so many things have changed since then. In fact, I messaged her yesterday and was like, Hey, uh, I would love to sit down with you and like have a proper follow-up conversation now that you've like made the movie and that everything's kind of moving forward and coming out and everything. Um, and she was like, I would, I would love that. You know, um, I would love to kind of talk about it further. Um, but, but yeah, it's absurd. I like, that was four years ago. Four years ago, we sat down and had this conversation. Uh, but it's time for all these to kind of come out so that I can do the next thing. That's the real thing right. is I just like got to get this shit out so that I can like move on to the next thing. And maybe as I get older, uh, the, the time between recording and releasing will, uh, <laughs> will compress slightly. Sorry. Yeah. As a metaphor for my entire life, you know, there like you the impulse is almost always right. I'd always trust my impulse, but the release impulse is like, uh, I could use some work for sure. <laughs> so anyway, anyway. Um, all right. Well, thank you guys so much. I didn't mean to take up so much of your time, but I appreciate you no, guys jumping great. on and like having this conversation with me for sure. Um, yeah. I'm gonna chop it up and see if there's anything uh, to be honest with you i don't even care if i use any of this i there's appreciate you guys talking about it with yeah. me um, for yeah. sure there's a lot of good moments i was clocking yeah yeah as an <laughs> editor i'm just like oh yeah there's this that's, that's good that's yeah. good that's good yeah, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> awesome <laughs> well thank you guys so much i really appreciate the time and uh and yeah look forward to catching up again soon yeah congratulations on this it's a big feat thank you pushing this out it's medicine for people it's necessary it's healing it's it's wonderful all the nerdy people are gonna love it that's right um <laughs> do it for the nerds i love the nerds man i love the nerds they're the so best. much they're the best they're the best <laughs> awesome all right well thank you guys so much i'll uh talk to you guys soon all right nice to meet all you right. see ya nice to meet you too bye, bye. Thanks for listening to The Process Dispatch, a conversation about directing between directors. Original music, mix, and editing by Jake McMullen, produced by myself and Anna Ramos, designed by Tyler Swanner, and episode artwork by Sean Bay. Please follow us on all social platforms at The Process Dispatch. For show notes and further information, visit theprocessdispatch.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.